0: Welcome to the Expand Online Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Sletsky, and this is episode number 109. Today, we're going to keep on the topic of online courses with a specific lens towards extra considerations for running your course with a cohort. First off, let's go with a quick definition. A cohort is simply a group or company of people. In terms of online courses, a cohort is a group of course participants who start the course at the same time and are guided through the content. A cohort helps participants actually accomplish what they bought this course to help them with because as we've been discussing lately on the podcast, it's not enough for us to just put out really good content. We need to help our students move through the content and make it actionable. And a cohort is a great way to really create the impact that you are looking to create as someone who is expanding your business online. As you know, the two most popular methods of having an online course are... Courses that are always out there called Evergreen and courses that follow a launch schedule, which I call Open Cart, Close Cart. Evergreen courses are pretty much always being marketed or always available for purchase, whereas with the Open Cart, Close Cart system, the launch cycles might be that you open doors once a year, twice a year, up to four times a year, generally speaking. Running a cohort works with both of these methods, but there are obvious differences in the way that the cohort needs to be presented. With the open cart, closed cart launch method, a cohort is super easy to implement because with this method, we only have our doors open for a short amount of time and students are all going to be starting right after that window closes or right after they sign up. So your cohort students will easily be at the same point within the course by default because they will be buying during your open window and it doesn't matter a whole lot whether they purchase it on day one of your open cart or on the final day of your open cart. They are all going to be starting at basically the same point. For courses with an open cart, closed cart launch, most of the time I find it's best to have introductory information or even an introductory lesson that is provided immediately after purchase. And then the course will officially start the day after the cart closes. So the content release schedule is consistent across all of our students, and all of our cohort students are on the exact same release schedule as the other students. They don't get it before, they don't get it late, and none of that stuff. Not only does this make it super easy for you and your cohort students, but it actually makes it possible to sell the cohort as an add-on once the course is already up and running. Remember, your cohort is designed specifically to help your students get through the material and take action. So our cohorts really need to have contact points, like a community forum or private Facebook group, Zoom calls, and additional opportunities for students to get your feedback. As the course creator, as the person that they're learning from, your feedback is so fundamental to their progress. I think that a cohort should sell itself. The value is unparalleled and is so much more tangible than the DIY method. Now with an evergreen course, your students have the ability to start these at any time, and you do want them to get started as soon as they purchase without sitting around waiting for their cohort to start. But how exactly do we make a cohort work with this evergreen course model? Some of this will surely depend on the number of students you have signed up on a weekly or monthly basis because that will dictate how often you can successfully run cohorts. If you have five students sign up every single week and you want to have 10 students in your cohort, then you are probably forming cohorts every six to eight weeks, which then means that some of your cohort students will be six or eight weeks into the course, whereas others may have just purchased, but You can normalize that within your cohort progression and accountability plan. What I mean by this is that if your cohort starts six weeks after someone has purchased, they will probably have bought into it somewhere between week four and week six. And you can let them know that within the first week of the cohort, we are expected to get through module one and maybe module two or we meet or this, that, whatever. So that you can help them set their pace so that they are on track with the rest of the students in the cohort. It's kind of interesting because you could set up your cohort so that the cohort is only available four to six weeks after a purchase date. Which would then make it so that the cohort starts two to four weeks after they purchase access to the cohort, which then again, it's normalizing and making it so that they understand where the pace of the course is, where the progress of the course is. So even when you sell it as an evergreen course, it's a lot easier to feel like the cohort can really take shape. Another thing that I've done with my clients is that if we've decided that we are going to do a cohort and they have an evergreen course, we are going to list the opportunity for a cohort on the sales page, but only make it directly purchasable in the windows of time where it makes sense. So If, for example, you go with the first method where we're not opening the window up four to six weeks after the sign up, but rather you're making it available to join a cohort after you've purchased, in the final 10 days or so before the cohort goes live and before the cohort starts altogether, you can actually sell the cohort on the sales page as well as behind the scenes after people have already purchased. So that's just something that you can leverage. And most of the time for students that have purchased the course during non-cohort sales periods, we are going to be selling our cohort with personal outreach, with internal announcements inside our course delivery platform, and other touch points. It's not like someone's going to say, bam, they have a cohort, I'm going to sign up. It's going to be helping people see the benefit of signing up for your cohort when the cohort becomes available. The advantages of the cohort community are so great that they often outweigh that DIY approach. And I find that when a cohort is positioned correctly, you can have 25% or more of existing students sign up to be part of your cohort. That's a really big number and you are treating these students like they matter they're not just a number they're not just dollar signs they are people who are working toward their own art their own abilities their own improvement and giving them the hand to help them get there is so so crucial and that's why I love 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 cohorts so so much At this point, we have now talked about inviting our students into cohorts for both evergreen and open cart, closed cart courses. But let's talk now about what it means to run a cohort. Let's think about that. Running a cohort means that you need to get inside the head of your student to understand how they need to be supported. Do they need lots of touch points, multiple channels of touch points? Do they need checklists and accountability? Do they need check-in points? Do they get too busy and take time away from their learning to do other life tasks? Do they want positive reinforcement from you? How much community and social interaction is the right amount for them to stay on track with the course content and learning without it being another distraction? What is the delta between where they start and where your course is gonna take them? Or in other words, how far are you taking them on the progress map? Are you taking them from never having put a paintbrush in their hand all the way through to creating their first piece of saleable art? Or are you helping them on an incremental? So maybe going from being able to play the scales on the piano to being able to play a song that they're not embarrassed by. There's a difference, knowing the delta is a very important factor to figuring out how to best support your students. We really want to support and guide and inspire our cohort students. That's one of the really important things about our cohort. We don't want our engagement to take our students sideways or away from the course material. How often is it that you buy a course content and you never get through it? Because you are just so engaged in the Facebook group and you're connecting with people and you're learning from people and you don't go back to the course creators, actual content. That's what we want to avoid here. And that's really why there is a fine balance between the feedback side and the progress side and the course content absorption side and the community aspect of things. Let's make this a whole bunch more tangible. Let's assume that we have an eight week, six chapter course. The course material is going to be released on the first day of weeks one, two, and three, five, six, and seven. Whereas weeks four and eight are integration or implementation weeks or even catch-up weeks. There is going to be a forum or a private Facebook group for cohort members to connect. And each week has a one recommended exercise that is submitted to you as the course creator for feedback, and one or more suggested exercises that are shared within the community in the Facebook group or in the forum. There are also going to be monthly cohort Zoom calls, which are scheduled in the first and fifth weeks. And peer feedback and critique is encouraged within the forum or private Facebook group. That is a bare minimum of a successful cohort. You clearly explain when content is being released. You provide an opportunity for engagement. You provide an opportunity for feedback. And you create an opportunity for your students to find success. Truly accountability and support are what separate cohorts from DIYs. I like to encourage my clients to go above the bare minimum with surprise and delight. I bet you're not surprised at all about the fact that I want my clients to over deliver. This can be done by sending a kudos email or a shout out inside the Facebook group for work well done. Even shout out on your public social media, tagging that student and showcasing their progress or one of their intermediate projects or assignments. Creating accountability partnerships through observations. This one I really, really like. This means that you notice that Sue and John are both working really hard at it. And they're constantly coming back into the Facebook group, asking for feedback and asking for advice. And it's pretty much crickets or maybe one or two people comment, but it's not the level of response that you think that either of them deserve. So you go and you say, hey, John, Sue, why don't you become accountability partners and bounce all of these ideas off of each other and then bring them together to the Facebook group so that you always know that you get feedback from at least one person. Another over-delivery mechanism may be bonus calls or going live in your Facebook group when specific questions are brought to you or keep coming up. Answering those um, ad hoc and unscripted is a really great way for your students to know that you are there to support them. Another thing I like to do, if it makes sense, is to bring guest experts into your Facebook group to give a masterclass that is connected to your course, that is going to help your students, but doesn't detract them from the goal of your course. I'm sure you can find hundreds of examples of these. There are so many amazing people who are doing really cool things online. And I am sure that one of them or two of them could inspire your cohort students to do so much more with the content that they have learned from you. And the last thing that I really, really like and encourage my clients to do is to introduce their students to um, peers or mentors that you yourself are acquainted with. So let's say you have a student who says that they're going to be visiting Chicago and they want to go to the art museums and you know a docent. Introduce them to the docent at that art museum so that they have just a better experience. Go above and beyond. Make your students love you and your content just that much more. Really the idea is that you treat your cohort students with grace and joy. I want them to get as much out of the experience as possible because that not only benefits them, but it benefits you as well. Now. On the flip side, it is inevitable even within a cohort for students to fall behind and because of the atmosphere we create in our cohort, it is much, much easier to bring that student back into the fold. It doesn't always happen. Some students are going to drop out even if they are paying for the cohort. I just want to put that out there. It's not your fault and just do the best you can. It's not your fault. Just do the best you can. It may mean reaching out to them in less conventional formats, like on Facebook or Instagram through a DM, or even a text message or a phone call. That doesn't hurt. It's always worth trying to bring that student back into the fold. I love being able to give that personal and individualized attention to cohort students because they have provided me with a mechanism to do so. A question that comes up a lot with respect to cohorts is pricing the cohort against the standard version of your course. I believe that your course needs to cost at least $297 to even consider a cohort. Because if a course costs less than 297, because if a course costs less than $297, there is just not enough room to move within the proper order of magnitude to get a cohort price that reflects the additional work for you and for your student. Let's go back to our eight-week six-chapter course and give it a price tag of $297. Actually, for the sake of easier math, let's use $300. Our bare minimum cohort requirements mean working an extra three hours per week for those eight weeks, so a total of 24 extra hours. If your cohort has 10 students in it, that's spending an extra 2.4 hours per student. Let's round that up to three hours per student for all the bonuses that we're gonna include and all the ways we're gonna delight them. If your hourly rate is $150 an hour, then you're giving each student an additional value of $450 for being part of the cohort. But we don't actually charge our hourly rates for packages. So let's drop that price down to $100 an hour. So an additional $300. And now the question comes back. Can you charge $600 for the cohort version of the course? with the regular price tag of $300. Of course you can, but it's a much bigger hurdle because you're now asking the student to invest twice as much in the course than the material cost. So if instead the course was $497, then we're offering 497 versus 797, which has a smaller order of magnitude and it's easier for the students to see where their money is going. I like to price cohorts between $250 and $400 more than the standalone version of the course and to make sure that it is in alignment with the standalone version. Oh, and for evergreen courses, I strongly recommend that the cohort be a flat fee and no different if it's bundled into the course, you know, during the 10 days when it's actually available for immediate purchase or if it's sold after the fact to students who have already purchased outside of the cohort enrollment window. Let's wrap this episode up with a few more things to consider when you're weighing the opportunity of adding a cohort to your course or changing things up so that a cohort is a viable option for your students. Firstly, don't introduce a cohort if you haven't validated your course. You'll want to make sure that you've had at least 50 people purchase your course and provided completion surveys by at least eight students. Next, when you notice that students stop making progress on specific sections, consider making modifications to that section before saying that a cohort is going to just fix it. Because the material needs to be strong enough for a DIYer for it to be successful, whether it's in a DIY format or with a cohort. And if you run multiple different courses, you may have students who purchase more than one at a time. Make sure that you limit your cohort enrollment to a single course. If there's a student who has bought two courses and you offer cohorts in both of them, make sure that they are only signing up for a single cohort. Keep them focused on that course and completing that course before trying to be juggling everything. There's only so many hours in the day and we want them to find success. Next, let's make some decisions as to how we are going to wrap up our cohort. We are actually going to be talking about wrapping up a lot more in just a couple of weeks. So be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app so that all the next episodes come straight to your phone or wherever you're listening to podcasts right now. And finally, it's okay to ask for help. Invite past students to become cohort or community moderators. Understand what is manageable for you and get support to make sure that you deliver a consistent and wonderful experience for your students. With that, I want to thank you again so much for hanging out with me for the Expand Online podcast today. Would you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so that other artistic professionals know that this is the podcast designed to help them create a sustainable and enjoyable online revenue stream? Let me know if you have any questions. As always, you can email jamie at techofbusiness.com or hit me up over on Instagram. I'm at Slutsky.